Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 45 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there, Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob? Hey, man, what are you doing? Come over here. I got to talk to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, yeah. I, you know, I, first of all, I'm blushing. You know, your best uh, gosh darn cohort. I'm glad this is just audio because uh, uh, you know, I'm blushing like a schoolgirl. But the other thing is, uh, <laughs> you lost me on the hello. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. It's, what it's, is it's, instead of having you at hello, I lost you at hello. Is that how it works? <laughs> you lost me at hello. Um, well, I. I I will say that is a, a quote from Dennis Hopper in a 1969 movie. You might recognize Easy Rider. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. right. Nice. Nice. Right. Because nice. what are we talking about today? We're Rick stepped talk- in the way back machine. That's true. <laughs> we, uh, we're talking about the uh, United States of Captain America number two. And what is this? centered around right it is a cap on his motorcycle going across country with friends and trying to find himself so easy rider man road trip had to go with that all right yeah. all right love it uh, the perennial so, road it's trip. almost better when i don't have to explain them but <laughs> it is but you know for for the slow folk at home like me uh it's it's helpful it's nice yeah. it's good it's you know it just shows how much effort you put into uh into planning these no i just uh, i just i just picked this up five seconds ago Bob. <laughs> no. don't 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 ruin the magic oh all right don't do it. so uh bob hey listen we're excited we have a guest on the show today uh mr joshua van dyne josh is a um, supporter of the show and a longtime member of our Facebook group. Um, Josh, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we're happy to have you. And uh, actually, in the last episode, which was episode 44, uh, we had our listener Q&A show. And, and Josh, Josh uh, called in and left a message. His, his question was, if uh, Bob or I could write Captain America, what would it be? So uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, uh, you know, we, we didn't let you down on that one. I haven't heard of the episode yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you're going to love it when you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I will. Because <laughs> we love making it. Yep. All right. So, uh, so Bob, we've got, uh, gosh, so much going on right now uh, with the podcast, right? Um, we've got 
a, a great guest coming up in two episodes, Doctor uh, Professor uh, J. Richard Stevens, Rick Stevens, who who wrote one of your favorite books. Yep. Yep. That that was uh, I, don't, I don't know how you felt about it, Rick. I don't know how the listeners will feel about it, but I that was like that was like a highlight of my summer right there. I, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation and there wasn't a lull in it. Right. I mean, we talked for almost two hours and uh, uh, talking to the man who's got to edit it. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, exactly. And and there were no like, you know, it's not like there was ever like a lull in the conversation where uh, there was like an awkward silence. Uh, It was just a joy. It was a joy for me to uh, to have that conversation. It was like we were sitting around uh, a table drinking coffee or having beers or something and just talking about what we love. So it was awesome. Yeah, it's great when we could talk philosophically about Captain America, you know, um, and, and Rick Stevens is, uh, you know, a, a great person to just, uh, rap about cap. You know, we had the pleasure of doing that, uh, back on episode 30 with, with, uh, Dr. Mark White, who wrote the virtues of Captain America. So if you enjoyed that episode, then you're going to love this one. And that comes out, uh, episode 47 in two weeks. So while we're on the subject of um, upcoming guests and uh, being excited for them, um, and also since we've got uh, Josh on the show, who's who's one of our patrons, um, we might as well just let everybody know because um, we we're, we're, we let them know on the Facebook group. We don't normally like to to spill the beans. We like to tell our our patrons ahead of time, but. One of our, the next guest after Dr. Stevens is legendary Captain America writer, Steve Englehart. Oh, that's the reaction we were hoping for right there. Yes. Uh, So we uh, we're extremely excited about uh, having the opportunity to talk with him. So as one of our thank yous, to our patrons, what we do is uh, we uh, give them the opportunity to, uh, to 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 ask a question to our guests. Uh, so, Josh, you have you've got a week to think about it uh, because we're we're talking with with him uh, next week, and so um, you know uh, shoot shoot us an email, um, which is capcomicfans at gmail.com. And we will uh, we will see if we can get that on there. So if you are not a patron and you're listening and you're like, wow, that's a really cool opportunity. It's real simple. Just go to our anchor page. The link is in any of our podcasts. You can go on our Facebook page or or actually I'll make it real simple. Just go to our website, CaptainAmericaComicBookFans.com. And there's a link on there for you to sign up to be a patron. Um, if you're at the the 4.99 level, like Josh, you get uh, the opportunity to ask a question to our guests. And as we also announced before, we've got this super cool premium um, that should be in in our hands in the next couple of weeks. This really cool "What Would Cap Do?" challenge coin. So um, that's that's, and we'll have more details on that on our website and in the Facebook page as well. So. Uh, it, it, uh, it's just our way of saying thank you to, uh, to our patrons. I think, uh, that 
we haven't announced this anywhere else, right? I mean, this challenge coin, you announced it in the last episode, um, but this is a big deal. It is. It is. It's, it's a really cool. Um, and we'll have, like I said, on our website and the Facebook page, we'll have uh, images of what the coin yeah. looks like. Um, and uh, they're currently being manufactured. You want to uh, check this out, folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Um, all right. Well, I can tell from Josh's smile, he's, he's pretty excited. Yes, I am. All right. Um, so let's, uh, let's do a quick recap of issue number one of the United States of Captain America. Um, we did, uh, go through the story, um, and we, we had a few, you know, th- it, it, Bob, would, would it be safe to say that there was a bit of a national reaction to that particular issue? Yeah, I think the, uh, I mean, I think there's a technical term um, for it. It's called a kerfluffle. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a oh. national kerfluffle. Uh, How do you spell that, Bob? <laughs> it's a, it's a K-E-R-F-L-U-F-F-L-E, kerfluffle. I'm not checking that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to assume that's right. <laughs> Yes, it comes uh, from the German for natural uh, national controversy. So. Ah, oh, okay. I made so, that part up. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not checking that. Um, but you know, one of the things that I, I think there was some, you know, unwarranted criticism um, on on the on it for a couple reasons, right? Because one, it's like, oh, we're replacing Cap, and they're finding new characters and they're trying to be pc i think i think we agreed that that's not really what this story was about right it, it, it it's it's about the fact that captain america steve rogers um really uh what's the right word i'm looking for he he inspires mm-hmm. others sure. yes. yeah right and so i think uh, uh cantwell the, the writer of this story um, is doing a good job setting that up that he is he inspires people and uh, they're just regular folk like like us that you know um, find themselves in a situation and we're like you know what what would cap do i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can to to help so i think i think there's that one element that was somewhat controversial and then there's the second element which was the monologue in the very beginning where cap talks about uh, the thought of the American dream. And I think what, what caught headlines was the fact that he mentioned that there's, there's a couple different dreams and one of them's not real. And he, and he talks about Americana. Right. And so we, uh, we had our thoughts on that. Um, and a couple of the thoughts were one, you know, it's frustrating because we, we know that a lot of people, reacted to that without even having read it and that and that's frustrating right is is that you know listen there's news media out there they they've they got to get eyeballs they got to get clicks they got to be controversial they got to do things to sell the papers as you will and so they just put this out there with these headlines they get guys former actors to to come on and and give their views who who haven't even read the story and that's frustrating um and then the second thing was that um we felt like it was some of it was being taken out of context 
and and not and and not talking about the conclusion uh, of how he talked about um, you know his his version of the American dream. Um, they only focused on the beginning, and so we uh, we felt that was a little unfair, and and so we we brought that up. Now, having said all that, we also said these are our opinions. This is my opinion. This is Bob's opinion. We understand there's other people's opinions out there, and we respect that. So uh, Josh uh, reached out to me, and he said, you know, I've I've got some thoughts on this. So that's why we uh, we we asked him to come on so he could share uh, his thoughts on the monologue. I think. The people that are writing the articles are not understanding what Cap is saying. They're saying that Cap is not believing in the Cap in the American dream anymore. What I think he's saying is he doesn't believe in the American dream as it's been told to the American people. It's not a nice car. It's not a fancy house. The American dream in its essence is life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and that's something that captain america will never give up on and i think that's why they show later in the issue the museum pieces greensboro the, the yeah, yeah rosa parks dress and the farmer's jacket those are all people that fought for life liberty and the pursuit of happiness for all people that's what cap is fighting for he's not fighting for people to have fancy houses and cars and all that so i think that's if people understand that then they will see cap is still always the cat that he's always been he's never changed mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's a good i mean I, I i think you're spot on there of course uh, uh joshua and and i don't think we we disagree with you you know when we talked to uh we talked to dr stevens and uh one of the things um that we uh, that we what we talked about was how this this sort of perennially comes up, right? I mean, it came up in the early '70s. It came up after uh, 9/11. It came up with Cap's assassination. It comes up now, and this is uh, you know this is this sort of a return to uh, Cap being sort of the focal point of a, of a argument over cultural values, and uh, so it, it's as Rick said, it's frustrating. Uh, sometimes for those of us who are, you know, long cap fans, we read, uh, you know, very deeply in these issues, we think about them and folks who perhaps haven't read them uh, and are just kind of commenting, going along with the flow. But the, but sort of the, I, for me anyway, I think one of the cool things, uh, sort of the silver lining in, in these sorts of controversies is, is how central Captain America can be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're talking, talking a national conversation on national media platforms and they're talking about Captain America. I mean, that's that's pretty cool, actually, if you think about it. That's that's how interwoven Cap is in our, our popular culture. And that, I think, is pretty nifty. And you have to wonder, though, if the people that are commenting on news channels have actually read a Cap comic. Oh, ever. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Those, like the rest of us. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's clear some, in some cases that they haven't, but I think it's, you know, I, you know, try to be the, poly, not being a Pollyanna, but just looking on the bright side, I think it's, uh, it's pretty cool when Cap takes on such a, a central role in this national conversation. Uh, yeah. And I think the best we can do is, is try to, um, to look objectively at, at, 
at the comics themselves and at the dialogue, the writing, you know, and uh, and and try to be upfront in our analysis of, of what's going on. And hopefully uh, maybe more folks will pick up a book. You know, that's one of the things that comes out of these sorts of controversies is, is perhaps it drives sales, it drives interest in a character uh, and we end up getting, you know, more fans. And that's a good thing. Yeah, always a good thing. And let's hope that's the case. But, you know, I, I, I want to say, and I, I'm, I should have pointed this out before, but maybe I did, I don't recall. But, you know, in, on page six of issue one, uh, during his monologue, Steve says, I'm pretty easy to repurpose for people's various agendas. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like what we're talking about here. Right. I mean, that's that's what I think certain news outlets, whether they are far left, far right, uh, you know, they, they have certain agendas. They know who their audience is. And so they're going to paint it a certain way uh, to to appeal to their audience. Um, and, and he's just getting repurposed. Exactly. All right. Um, you also said uh, when you reached out to me, Josh, that you said you wa- wanted to explain why you feel conservatives feel the way they do about the beginning monologue. Did you want to touch on that? I think conservatives feel that way because I think conservatives identify with Pat more. They identify with the fact that he stands for America's principles. And at least if you, if you don't understand the context of the monologue, it would seem like he's giving up on America and he's doesn't believe in America anymore. I don't think that's what conservatives would want for anyone. They are fine with criticizing America, but not full on hating America. And they, I don't think they want Steve Rogers to start hating on America, but just pointing out its flaws. Like they're fine with that. Right. And then, you know, you, you had mentioned that you're, you're a conservative. Do you feel that that same way or do you feel different? After reading the issue, I don't think he's giving up on America. He's just, he's saying it could be better. America could be different. It could be available for all people and not just white Mm -hmm. males or whatnot. It's for everybody from the poor to the rich, from the foreign American citizens to the immigrants who, who come here. I don't think it's right to just put an America in a small, narrow window and leave out the rest of the people. And I think that's what Captain America was saying in that monologue. Okay. So well, I agree that, with Cap. Yeah, and, that, and that's a that's a good perspective. We we appreciate that, and I think Bob and I uh, agree. Um, and I think I think Cantwell uh, has so far done a good job. Um, catching the essence of what we feel Steve Rogers stands for and, and that he does stand for, for, for all Americans. And yes. uh, so, so thank you for, for, for that perspective. Um, all right. How, are we ready to get to number two? Let's do it. Okay. I am. Like we did on the first one, uh, we're just going to cover the first story because there's two stories, right? There's the main story with has Steve and Sam on this trek uh, and then there's the backup story, which basically is, uh, I guess you could say, kind of a bio history introduction, if you will, of the character that gets introduced 
uh, in the in the issue. So we're we're we we want people to go and buy the comic um, because that way you can appreciate the art um, and you can appreciate the backstory, um, or the second story, I should say. Um, so we're only going to cover the the first the first story. So on the cover here, um, we have. Uh, it's a nighttime cover and it's Steve uh, in his Captain America uniform, uh, which is not representative of what the interior is supposed to be. Um, but he's in his Captain America uniform um, on a motorcycle. Next to him is Sam Wilson in his Captain America uniform uh, on a motorcycle. And then on the back of Steve's motorcycle is a young African-American lady who uh, has a version of a Captain America suit and she has a shield and she's holding it up uh, as they're driving appears to be on a uh, highway in the middle of, of night. Love this cover, Rick. Love it. It almost has a photorealistic feel to the background, you know, with the, with the uh, sort of the, the sense of speed as you're zipping down the highway. I mean, I love this cover. The more I look at it, the more it appeals to me. Now I know why it's four ninety nine. <laughs> right. And well the, uh, <laughs> all right. The cover artist is uh, uh, Gerard Perel. Mm -hmm. So I'm not familiar with Gerard's work. Oh, I am. Yeah, Ger he's done some is it Gerald? Stuff. Gerald? I um I I think or Gerard. It's... I think it's Gerard. But, all, right. Um, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm murdering that. I apologize, Mr. Perel. All right. So um, then on the uh, inside, I'm going to read the, the recap because I just, uh, just get everybody up to speed on what happened in the last issue. So it says, over the decades, many have taken up the mantle of Captain America, drawing inspiration from Steve Rogers, the original Sentinel of Liberty. Whoever wields the shield carries on the fight for freedom for all. Days before he was due to lend his shield to a museum exhibit, Captain America was ambushed by a super fast assailant wearing his costume. The imposter stole his shield and used it to attack a train in Queens, endangering hundreds of people before fleeing into the night. Steve and Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, were aided in their rescue efforts by an unexpected ally. Aaron Fisher, an unhoused, so I guess a nice way of saying homeless, teen, and the self-proclaimed Captain America of the Railways. Aaron tipped Sam and Steve off to the Captain's Network, a loose collective of people protecting their communities under the mantle of Captain America. Shortly after, Aaron was wounded by a sniper, leading Sam and Steve to believe that someone was targeting the members of the Captain's Network. Sam agreed to suit up again as Captain America alongside Steve, and together they set out to find the shield thief and protect the network. And this name of this first story is I See Great Things in Baseball. And it's written by Christopher Cantwell, penciled and inked by Dale Eaglesham. Colorist is Matt Miller, letterer Joe Karamanga, and we have a trio of editors. So we have Tom Brevoort, who has been the longtime editor of Captain America. And then we have Alana Smith, who is taking over as the new editor of Captain America when the new series comes out. 
and Martin Biro. All right, so we're we're in a um, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and it's a uh, Steve is still in his. I think it, I think this is referred to as his Commander Rogers uniform, the one that has the the white star with a circle around it, and then three lines on either side of it, white lines on either side of it on his chest. Um, so he's, he's wearing that for, instead of his Captain America uniform. Um, and he's sitting on a motorcycle and you, you hear Cap's inner monologue. And by the way, when we're Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, we're on a, uh, it looks like the, uh, the battlefield. Here's a funny story. I was a Cub Scout. This would have been 28 or so when we came and did a tour here. Joshua Chamberlain, Little Round Top, Pickett's Big Screw-Up, all that. Six hours on a rickety school bus. Thing had more in common with the horse-drawn carriages than cars today. I was riveted by all this history. Riveted. But I was also a 10-year-old kid, which means eventually I had to pee. Man, oh man, by the time we were in the peach orchard, I felt like my back teeth were underwater. I was too scared to interrupt the guide, too worried to bother my teacher, who, by the way, was acting like he actually fought in the battle. I finally decided to sneak off, just, you know, take care of it without anyone noticing. The plan was deal with it, then catch up fast. But just like it was for Johnny Reb, it was a mistake to go into the wheat field. And so we, we, we cut back to this um, description, uh, like or, uh, drawings of, you could tell by the coloring, right? Because it's kind of like an amber type of coloring. And you see a very young Steve Rogers in his Cub Scout uniform sneaking off uh, to go pee. And he, and he looks like he really has to pee, right? And just then, on a horse, came a scout leader. And he says to Steve, Whoa there, this is hallow ground, son. Latrines are yonder, boy. And he points in the direction. And Cap, Steve says, so yeah, I almost peed on Gettysburg. Maybe it's not as funny as I remember. I do hope I've paid back that debt. So, Bob, any, uh, any comments on some of these these choice uh, of words here? You know, it's interesting. I think, you know, you're heading into sort of the, you know, you're like, well, how does this connect, right? How does this connect to the broader story? And, and in the next few panels, it sort of makes that connection. But I think it's, uh, you know, I, I always love any any flashbacks to Steve Rogers' youth, I think is, uh, is worth the price of admission, right? Because uh, that's sort of a window we don't get to see very often. So, um, but I love, yeah, we're, we're you know, we're, we're, uh, we're seeing we're seeing sort of a connection being made, which I think is you know what Cantwell is is really great at. He's he's telling stories, tying it in with history, and making a larger larger uh, illustrating a larger point. I was wondering if if any of that meant anything to you, where he says Joshua Chamberlain, Little Round Top, Pickett's Big Screw Up, all that. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was it. Right. That was uh, the Pickett's Pickett's disastrous charge against a uh, little little round top and big round top. And uh, that was the, the, the turning point in the war. 
right. the, the Civil War. A lot of, and I was just reading about it last night. A lot of good men died uh, that day in the wheat field. Yeah, I, I did. I did like Cantwell's use of the the. He says, "I felt like my back teeth were underwater." That sounds like a very old expression. Yeah, that's something that Steve would say, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So I think it's funny. He says, "Yeah, I, I almost, I almost peed on Gettysburg." Um. And then he, then he goes on to reference, uh, some ghosts of the past from that battle that you referenced, uh, Bob. But many, many guys died. And he says, the damage we did to one another here. Lately, I've been wondering if we ever really came back from it. I think that's, uh, it's a, it's a one panel, but I think it says uh, so much, right? It's, it's brother against brother, American against American, uh, ideal versus, you know, ideal, um, and in many ways, you know, uh, I think, you know, Steve's recognizing that uh, not a lot has changed. Uh, and it is, um, it's, a, it's a strong comment. It is. What do you guys, well, I mean, do you yeah. guys think? Well, you know, the thing I just want to point out, it's, it's, I think Cantwell's making a point that, you know, that war was a fundamental turning point um, in, in American history, in American society, American culture. And, uh, you know, we think that, well, you know, we fought a civil war, you know, it was brother against brother, all that sort of stuff. And then it, and then it ended, right? And, and then we came back together and, and we moved on and we did move on, but, but things fundamentally shifted uh, and we're continuing to sort of wrestle with a lot of the issues in, in, in that shift. And, and I think Campbell makes a very good point that we're still, we're still in many ways, still struggling with the ghosts of, of that conflict. All right. So then the next panel is um, there's sound. It's like he and uh, pretty sure that was Sam riding by on his motorcycle. And, Cap, and Steve says, there he is. So he, he kickstarts his motorcycle and he goes out onto the dirt road. There was another cap attack two days ago near Harrisburg. A woman was arrested for busting up a new main line that was going to bring fresh water into town. So he catches up with Sam. Gotta admit, still think you were at best, Sam. Yeah, two caps are always better than one. I'm not so sure about it th- this time. You said you were bringing a new shield. I did. It's just, well, I was wondering if we should ditch the uniforms entirely with all this imposter crud. No way. When we stop this nonsense, we do it as Captain America to remind people what we're really about. This woman, Michelle Wright, they're charging her with domestic terrorism. And yet she was dressed like you, kind of ironic. Not really, since I've also been charged with domestic terrorism in the past. But she also calls herself Captain America. Really makes me feel weird. That also what you say when I'm not in the room? You don't want to hear the things I say about you when you're not in the room. So he picks up uh, the phone and he shows an image of uh, Michelle Wright. It's her police police image she definitely has a more in common with that kid Aaron from the train than us or your lookalike you think she's part of the captain's network likely I also want to know what really happened and why she's still alive maybe that assassin lady isn't out to kill these folks just set them up hey how'd you even get your bike out here this is as close as the park ranger would let me get 
I got a special in with the park rangers. Of course you do. So they take off on their motorcycles. That reminds me, no hot riding back there. People are already more suspicious of Captain America than they should be. You mean like this? And Sam pops a wheelie. Yep, I think that's a textbook example. Thank you. Uh, in addition to talking to Michelle, I want to get a look at the busted pipeline, see how it was damaged. What if the local cops won't let us talk to her? I don't know. Maybe then we break some rules. And here you had me worried about hot rodding. So they drive off in their motorcycles, and a few hours later, they're at the scene. And um, it's, a, it's a town that there's a, it's a huge cave-in on a, on a road. Um, and there is, there's a pipe that's underneath that is gushing out water, and it's going into the rest of the, of the town. It's kind of flooding the town. Good gosh, I didn't realize it was this bad. So many blocks are flooded. Dozens are going to be temporarily homeless because of this. And then there's a, an older guy with red hair comes up and an uh, African-American lady. What are you doing here? We've had about all that stars and stripes crap we can take. Sorry, I, I, we just want to help. Go ahead. We could use it. You know they're trying to pin that on our Michelle, but she, she would never. Did you really see who did this? Two days ago, I heard fighting had to be that woman causing problems. Harold, Michelle's the reason the water's coming out of your tub isn't the color of pitch. She's a pride and joy in this community. We might be in serious trouble here, but she does everything she can. I'm tired of Michelle's activism. It's just vigilante crime fighting. Oh, please, Harold, go back to your matlock. Sam, can you come down here, bring your shield? And they're underneath where the, uh, the pipe was. This had to be our speedy cap imposter. Rapid hits made with my shield. Not Michelle Wright. Lady says Michelle's all about cleaning up water. She cares about this pipe. Then our bad guys knew how to draw her out. Where did you get this shield? Misty Knight made it for me. Anyway, I just dug the look, you know. And uh, it is, it's an interesting look to the Captain America shield that Sam has. It's, it's all black, has a white center star. Um, but then there's these, um, uh, looks like four or five uh, gray lines that are pointing towards the middle of the star. Did you seriously not have any extras lying around? Extra what? AAA batteries and flour tortillas. Shield, Steve. Oh, no, I, well, I'm using something Tony gave me. It's all I had on hand. It looks like if your shield were a beer logo hanging on the wall of a bar. <laughs> Thanks. Really do so much for my self-confidence. And it is. It's one of those, um, what'd you call these uh, shields? Well, these energy shields, right? Yeah. yeah. This, this is, uh, this, this harkens way back. Sure does. I don't get it. Which part? All of it. The feds still want to question our guy, Aaron, about the train crash. Even though I vouch for him, they still think he's involved. Likewise, Michelle's been charged for destroying the pipe. But our cap hunter took a shot at Aaron. She wanted him dead. Yeah. Then she let Michelle live and get arrested. The only thing I'm really clear on is they want the country to hate anyone calling themselves Captain America. And then just then, 
speeding in between the two of them through the water really, really fast is the imposter cap with the shield. And he says, that's the idea. And that just hate's going to keep growing and growing and growing. And he comes back and he hits Steve with the, with the, with the shield real fast. Pretty brave thinking you could take on the two of us alone when all you've got is fancy footwork. And this, and he hits him with the shield. Don't forget this. This was a really great gift you got me. Thanks, Cap. And he actually hits him in the, in the back of the neck and knocks him down. But just as he was doing that, Sam comes up and takes the shield from him. Damn, your mouth moves as fast as the rest of you. But just then, he gets shot from behind, going through his right shoulder. And it clearly goes right through. And there's the uh, the woman that we saw in last ep- uh, issue um, with the long ponytail and the mask. So she, you can't see who she is, but she does have a, a red, white, and blue mask on, stripes, and then, you know, so it's, it's patterned after the American flag. And she's aiming a, a pistol. The next... The next chop severs your spinal cord between the C1 and C2 vertebrae. And Cap is kind of talking to himself as his energy shield sparking out. Hey, Tony, it ever occurred to you an electric shield might need to be a waterproof? And she aims the pistol at, at, uh, at Cap. Halt! Don't move! Just one second for crying out loud. And he throws a piece of lumber from the water and knocks the, the gun out of her hand. And he goes over to, uh, to Sam. Sam, are you all right? What the hell are these creeps still doing here two days later? And the speedster grabs the, uh, the shield and picks her up and, uh, and runs away. And she says, change of plans. We will focus on the woman. So a little later, they're, they're at the... Uh, the, the initial woman's house, the one who's um, protecting Michelle or, or batting, going to bat for her. And uh, she's packed. She's bandaging up Sam. I don't think they meant to let Michelle get away. The policeman have, must have gotten here to her first. You boys better make sure nothing happens to her. I won't, ma'am. Not on my watch. You think they want her dead like they did Aaron? I think they want to destroy Captain America. The people, the name, the symbol, the entire dream. So that night, they're at the police station, and there's Sam and and Steve in uniform, talking to the uh, the police officer behind the counter who's pouring himself a cup of coffee. And he says, "I'm sorry, guys. Sheriff said she's off limits. My friend was already shot by the same people who were out to kill Michelle." They're probably on their way here right now. She's a sitting duck here. You're welcome to fill out a report, and we'll look into it ASAP. And Cap says, a report. And Sam just kind of looks up in the air like, oh, geez. And then here comes the sheriff. So he's a white dude, receding hairline, gray temples, black mustache, Um and he's he's not buttoned up, right? He's looks like he got one little more buttons undone at the top. He's a there. bit disheveled, yeah. Yeah, 
and the, the guy's handing him a cup of coffee. And then he goes, more captains. Terrific. Sheriff, boys, hold on. I'm going to be straight with you. Truth is, I don't know who did what to that pipe or why. But the thing is, I don't care. And he points at him. This girl, right, is a thorn in our sides. Never shuts up about the water crisis. Stages protests, sit-ins, strikes. Now, we find out she's also been the one gallivanting around the night, cracking skulls in bad parts of town. Frankly, we're done with her. Your thorn actually tries to make things better. And I said, I don't care. And he kind of dismisses Steve by putting his hand up to him. We're keeping her case simple. And let's face it, she fits the profile. What do you mean, fits the profile? And Sam's standing there with his arms crossed. I know what he means. And then the sheriff looks at him and he has kind of a smirk and kind of looks like he's winking, right? He says, the pipe that a lot of important people don't want goes away now. And the police can handle the streets without a loony bird, Captain Amara Thug, crawling up their asses. And Sam says, and all it cost was one black woman. Hey, you said it, bud. Not me. And he smirks, Matt, smirks at him. The next page is a huge splash. And it's basically Sam taking the share from one side of the, the counter, lifting him over the counter and throwing him into the windows and breaking the windows. You mentioned maybe breaking some rules, so I decided we should start now. Probably better treatment than he would have gotten from the shield thief. Feel free to file a report. So they go to the back where Michelle's being held, and, and she's sitting in a, a little jail cell. And she says to the uh, the guard, sounds like Andy Griffith ran into some trouble out there. You want to check on that, Deputy Fife? Bob, who's, who's she referencing there? <laughs> Andy Griffith show, man. The classic Americana right there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love Barney Fife. Mm. So she's in her, her her costume, uniform, I guess you could say. I'm going to describe it real quick. So uh, she's got, I don't know, I guess you could say a blue leotard on in the bottom half, but only one leg. The other leg is not uh, with red booties. And then she's got, kind of a blue leotard on her torso with a white star, but she's wearing a, I don't know, like a jacket over top, like a jean jacket. I can't tell. Um, and then she's got a red, looks like a red hood around her neck. And um, just then, oh, and her shield, her shield, which is sitting on the counter next to her and the mask. Um, it is more of the 1940s shield. So, it's the circular one, um, but it has four stripes instead of the red, white, red that we're used to seeing. So it's blue, white, red, white. And that was more of like circa 1940s, right? Mm -hmm. So the guard gets up, pulls out his gun. He says, don't say a word. And then as Steve and Sam come through, he says, freeze. Oh, and he holsters his gun. Cap, she's all yours. I knew this wasn't right. Sorry about your boss. I'm not. 
He's got a smart mouth and a lot of dumb ideas. You must be Michelle. Funny. They said I couldn't have visitors. We got to get you out of here. Sounds like you guys don't think I get a frail trial. And just then, Steve just rips the door off the, uh, the hinges, the guard door, the jail cell door. It's more than that. You're in imminent danger. The last time that was true, I tangled with a guy dressed like you. There's not much time. If it's cool with you all, I'm just going to get out of here on my own. So she grabs her mask and her, uh, her shield. No offense, but you boys can go ahead with your grand crusade. I've got work to do. That's how the captains do their thing. We fight on the ground, not in the clouds. So they're walking back out to the front, and the sheriff's rubbing his neck. Right. Like, you three are just going to walk out of here. And Michelle notices something through that, that broken window, and there's a big pickup truck with uh, headlights coming in. She's like, hold up. Get down. And she actually dives onto the sheriff to, to knock him down behind uh, a desk. And sure enough, there's a riddle of bullets coming in. Okay, so you guys weren't kidding. And Steve says, stay here. And then in the back of the pickup truck is a huge machine gun by the, uh, the redheaded woman, masked woman, and she's there firing into, and just bullets are just going. Bob, how's, how's, that, uh, how's that noise go again? Oh. Hey, but, but, and now because there's no last time you did a ka-ting, but but this is not a metal shield it's an energy shield so so yeah. bob what noise what noise are you going to make now no it's electric bob <laughs> come on no there's no it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have an electric sound uh illustrated here uh, you would think it would but it doesn't all right look you still you still see the katings. I don't think that to be the right sound, though, right? I, I, I almost expect it to be like a, like a bug zapper. You yeah, know? right. You know, like exactly. You know that kind of thing. I know. I know. I know. I got a fault, Cantwell here. That's all there is to it. So, um, seems like she's out of bullets, and the 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 turret's smoking, and Cap's standing there in the headlights. He says, "That's it. A few hours ago, you were going to sever my friend's spine." C1 and C2 and whatnot. Come on. I know you got more ammo in there somewhere. More things that go bang. I'm right here. I refuse to make you a martyr, Stephen Rogers. Nothing unifies a people in a country more than a martyr. Then why have the motor mouth in my duds take my shield? Why target these other captains? It's your symbol that will be broken. In this group of nobodies with tin shields, paltry stripes, faded stars... No one knows them or trusts them. They're trash. The tools will use to tarnish your name before I kill them. Yeah, well, Michelle's walking out of here with us tonight, safe and sound, unless you want to go another few rounds. And then the, uh, the gun switches over to a flamethrower. So Cap gets his shield back up. And uh, Cap makes it funny, Bob. He does. He says, and here I didn't bring anything to barbecue. And then uh, she says, drive. And they, they, they hurry away. And uh, Steve's a little bit 
on fire here. And um, uh, the, one of the uh, the policemen, the, the guard, the one who, who holstered his gun, came up with a, a blanket to, to put Steve out. Lady's got a Jerry accent. They want to take out the captains. We got to stop this. Listen, I'm not on board with the whole we thing. I thought you called yourself Captain America. So did Isaiah Bradley. And look how they all treated him. Hey, now. The captains take the idea of you and make it real for the people you don't have time to think about. That's what Isaiah did. And that's what I do. We don't ignore anybody. Look, it's cool. You got Avengers and space aliens and Baron Zemo and that acrobat guy with the big mustache and stuff. But we've got poison water, street crime, and inequalities of every kind. And as you just saw, the more than occasional crooked cop. But what about these people who are after you? They want to murder you all. Don't get me wrong. The captains believe in you. I do too. But we can't walk away from those we protect, not for a second. Thanks for the save. And if you see Aaron again, say hi for me. He's a good kid. So she walks away. So Sam and Steve are also uh, heading to their motorcycles. And Sam reacts to what she says, and he says, okay, then. She's got a point, Sam. Thanks for help back there, fellas. Sheriff still wants to talk to you. Nope, we're busy. Tonight's going to bring heat on us, Steve. Doesn't matter how true blue cap we are. Something tells me those wild goose chase across the country is going to be educational. Maybe we both could use a little schooling. So then we cut the, the last four panels here on this last page, and it's um, uh, the guy in Cap's uniform with his mask off, and he's driving in, uh, in the passenger seat, uh, taking off her mask. And she says to him, do not speak again of assignment should they figure out your speed demon. The mission could be compromised. Come on, Sin. What's the harm in... I see great things in baseball, James. Yes, Commander Schmidt. No captain, no America. Conquer the divided. So says Krieger Frau. Very good, James. Very good. And I told you, call me superior. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. All right, Bob. Well, there you have it. I guess that... Uh... You know who the villains are. We know who the villains are, and uh, and that's a nice bridge, right, from um, Volume 9. Yes, but let's get to Speed Demon. Yeah, oh yeah, Speed Demon. What do you know about Speed Demon? Tell the listeners. Well, we haven't seen him in a while, man. It's been, what, almost uh, six, seven years since he was, I think, last seen in Superior Foes of Spider-Man, but he got his powers long ago from the Grandmaster and uh, has been in the Thunderbolts. I think he was in Sinister Six. So, uh, so it's interesting that uh, Cantwell resurrected this guy for, for this uh, miniseries. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have seen that one coming. Yeah, so Speed Demon, does he have any ties to Captain America? Oh, I, I'm sure he does, Rick. I can't think of any off the top of my head. It would have had been back in the 80s or something. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he, I mean, I think he's known mostly for going up against Spider-Man. So James Sanders, he would he was introduced 
uh, in Avengers 69 as the wizard. All right, way back when. And then Amazing Spider-Man in 1981 as Speed Demon. But um, yeah, so he was the wizard from, um, from, from back in Avengers. And um, so he was part of the Squadron Sinister who fought the Avengers. There you go. Yeah, that was a while. That was, that was what, 69, 70 or somewhere around yeah. there, wasn't it? Yeah, sure was. All right. All right, so we got, we got him and then Sin, but she's now referred to as Superior. So for those who didn't read or didn't finish um, uh, Volume 9, the Coates series, uh, Sin was a, a, a major character uh, in that. Um, and there's a little thing about her in Superior at the end. I'm not going to ruin it. Go read it, whatever. But uh, Bob, I seem to recall when we were talking about issue one that you said when we were trying to guess who these villains were, you were like, well, I hope it's not Sin. I think she's been um, a little too much uh, FaceTime recently. Yeah. So, so what's your reaction then? Are you, yeah. uh, are you disappointed? Like you thought you would be, you know, I'm not, I am not entirely disappointed because I, you know, now I'm starting to see perhaps where they're going to go with, uh, sort of the relaunch maybe of, uh, the next volume, mm-hmm. uh, and how this series could potentially serve as a bridge from volume nine to the next volume. So, um, I think if they handle it well, um, I think this could be interesting. And uh, as you said, I don't want to give away anything from the end of volume nine, but there were some developments at the end of volume nine associated with her sort of reclaiming that moniker of superior that have, I haven't seen play out yet uh, in issue one or two of, of this series, but it will be interesting, interesting to see how this unfolds and where it leads. So I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I'm not as disappointed as I thought I'd be. Okay. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with her. I haven't read the end of volume nine, so I don't know what's going on with her, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you want to check it out. You want to check it out, Josh, because it, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting development. Marvel Unlimited is a little slow in releasing issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They uh, have issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right. So, Speed Demon. That's interesting. Um, wizard. Didn't he also fight the Hulk? I don't know. Probably. Uh-huh. I mean, he's he's been part of a lot of different groups, right? He Squadron Sinister. Um, then he was with uh, the Sinister Syndicate, which the the Beetle led. Um. He was with part of Thunderbolts, as Bob pointed out. Um, and then back with uh, Squadron Sinister, then the Sinister Six. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's been around for a while. Um, in fact, he, uh, his speed um, on the power grid is five. So I don't know how that compares to, um, I don't know, let's say Quicksilver. I don't think he's probably as fast, but I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I hope I hope Cantwell uh, sort of finds a way to explain to us why he reached in and plucked Speed Demon out of the past uh, to insert into the story as as 
superior's partner. I hope there's a rationale for that. It's not just sort of right. Uh, well, bag. I don't know. I mean, I kind of liked when when writers go back and they take a look at you know forgotten characters. I and, do too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh knows, J.M. Demetrius did that a bunch. He brought back Zola. He brought back Zemo. You know, he brought back Primus and Doughboy. You know, and he made them relevant. Um, and 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 so who knows? Maybe maybe Cantwell will do the same thing with uh, Wizard slash Speed Demon. Um, and then then there's uh, that little bio page. You know, the Captain's Network, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, the Captain America of Harrisburg. Notes compiled by Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. So this is Michelle Wright. She's age 22. Last known location here, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And she's a local gymnastics star who walked away from a promising athletics career to become an activist and vigilante. Fights with words and lists to protect her underserved community. Notes from Steve. Michelle's ruffled a lot of feathers by, break, by speaking up about infrastructure problems in her hometown and keeping outsiders from harassing local businesses. She's making a lot of powerful enemies. I hope she's got backup to rely on. She needs it, or if she needs it. Note from Sam, you know, I'll be first in line to back her up. Girl's badass, but it's hard to try to bring about a better world all on your own. Uh, And then, like I said, there's a backup story, uh, several pages um, that gets into, uh, basically picks up where the first story left off. So you get to see where she goes from here, but also get a little backstory on her as well. Um, so that, uh, uh, any, any remaining last thoughts on issue number two, uh, Josh, did you have anything? I want to say something about Nichelle's little speech toward to cap and Falcon towards the middle of the book where she's talking about Steve Rogers and Falcon, they have the Avengers and Batroc and Zemo. And she was talking about the purpose of the captains. I think that's Cantwell definitively saying what the purpose of the series is. Um, I think he knew that this series might get criticism for being PC or whatever. I think this is him telling everybody who's wanting to read the series, this is what the series is about. This is showing people who fight things on a more local level than that Steve Rogers or Sam Wilson or anybody might ignore because they're dealing with bigger crises, whatever that may be. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I think that's a good point, Joshua. You know, look, I, I got to, um, I, 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 I see this a lot and, uh, you know, I'm a vet, right? I spent, you know, a long time in the military and it's only 25 yeah. years, Bob. Yeah. I mean, it was a good part, a good chunk of my adult life. Right. And I went to military school before that in order to prep to go into the military. I have spent a good part of my life in the military and I appreciate when folks talk to me and say, Hey, thanks for your service. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and I, we have this sort of cultural, thing in america where we like to we like to thank you know the military we like to thank police officers firefighters uh and they sort of get the limelight right but in military in the police and the firefighters all work 
institutionally. We have a lot of resources that back us up, right? Uh, and, and we have a, we have each of those organizations. They have a mission to, to perform, right? And, and we're volunteers, and we do that, and that's great. Uh, but I think what Cantwell is pointing out here is something that we don't often think about in American society: is that there are activists and advocates and communities. They're not police. They're not military. They're not firefighters. They're not part of any government organization. But they're out there in their communities, you know. And they're they are they're every bit as brave every bit as uh, you know, passionate. And they're out there doing good work in their communities. And, th and they don't get recognized as being heroes. Nobody goes up to the community organizer and says, thanks for your service. Nobody you know, goes up to the, the PTA, mm -hmm. you know, PTO, PTA you know, member and says, thanks for your service. You know, or the, 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 the person out there working in communities with you know, uh, at-risk youth and says, thanks for your service. So those working with homeless, thanks for your service. Nobody does that, right? Mm -hmm. And these guys and gals don't have the backup, right? They don't, they're not part of the institution. They don't have all that supporting them. They're out there by themselves trying to make the world a better place. And I think, I think this is something that you know, we can all learn something from, that uh, those folks are every bit as heroes and deserve our gratitude as, as uh, you know, the big dogs and the big dog organizations doing those sorts of things. Yeah, well put, Bob. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better. And I, I agree with both you and Josh that, that you know, that's, a, a, I think, an inter, integral part of this story that Cantwell is trying to, to bring up is that, um, you know, these there are these people on the street level that that do good things. Um, and it just they just happen to be, in this case, being inspired by by Steve Rogers. And so um, I think it's I think it's an interesting story. And I think, uh, like you said, Bob, it's, it's probably a nice bridge to volume 10 um, and uh, looking forward to seeing where this goes. So. All right. Well, we'll cover issue three of this in four weeks. Uh, that will be uh, episode number 49, uh, which will come out on, uh, I want to say September 15th. So, um, <clears throat> so, so be sure to check back for that. And then, uh, as I mentioned, um, I don't think I did mention, uh, next episode, we, we talked about episode 47, which we have uh, Dr. Uh, Stevens on to talk about his book uh, and, and Captain America. But next episode... Uh, you may want to come back for that one, too, because episode 46, we are getting to Captain America annual number eight from 1986. This is the uh, Cap versus Wolverine annual, right? With uh, it's it's and it's it's Mike Zeck, John Beatty and Joe Rubenstein art. But Mark Grunewald wrote it. Uh, and this may be the only time Mark. Yeah. Mike Zeck pencils a mark grunewald story so at, at least the interiors he, he did his covers uh you know for a little while but but anyway it's a great uh it's a great story we have uh, we'll have a lot of fun covering that so come back next week for that one yeah that's that's a great i mean it's such a fun story and uh and the sort of it reminds me a, a bit of uh but in a different way sort of the how Cap and Sam play off each other in, in this, the dialogue, you know, and how interesting the dialogue is. There's a lot of that interesting dialogue in annual number eight. So. Yes, it's true, bub. All right. Uh, well, for Josh Van Dyne and Bob Lucius, I'm Rick Verbonis, and you've been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. 